0: If you have a Bible, open that up to Acts chapter 1. We'll be looking at the mission of God Uh, from Acts chapter 1 this morning. It's really an introduction into the entire book of Acts. Reformed theology has traditionally uh, favored the preaching through books of the Bible or through major themes of the Bible. So at Grace Stillwater, we do that, and at RUF, we do that. And this semester, we're going to be looking at the mission of God through the book of Acts. And this was sort of an introductory uh, uh, sermon that I taught there a couple weeks ago. So we're going to look at that this morning, and hopefully this will give you a big picture for what God is doing in the book of Acts, what he's doing in your life, and what he's doing in the world today. So please read along with me. I'm going to start at verse 1 and read verses 1 through 8. In the first book of Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them for 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father. Which, he said, you heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. This is the word of the Lord. Please pray with me. Gracious Father in heaven, we do thank you so much for giving us your word. Your word that tells us about your son and your son that shows us that we're more sinful and broken than we ever imagined, but we're much more loved and accepted in him than we ever dared to hope. And this morning, Father God, as we look at your mission, um, Father, please confront us um, with our sin. Please show us our mission, the mission of our lives. Um, Show us the areas where our mission does not align with your mission. Show us the areas where our mission only brings sin and misery into this world. Um, Show us the area of our life and our lives where you want to apply the healing of the gospel. Realign us with your mission by your word and your spirit. Empower us to fulfill your mission by your word and your spirit. Unite us in your mission as your church, both here and across the world, and use This time, Father God, to expand the kingdom in our own hearts so we might go from here and expand your kingdom to the ends of the earth. We pray this in the name of your Son, Jesus. Amen. Over Christmas break, uh, we took a group of students to Houston to do uh, a missions project. And that missions project was to go down there and work with a local church and help uh, uh, renovate, and rebuild a house for a lady who had been uh, dis- whose house had been destroyed by the flood by Hurricane Harvey uh, back last fall, last September. So we took the group of students down there and we wanted to have, you know, we wanted to serve, but we also wanted to have a good time and just have some fun. And so while we are in Houston, we went to the Kennedy Space Center to to see that and to see all about NASA and learn all the cool things that they do. Uh, I uh, was excited about it, but not nearly as excited as some of my students who were very into NASA and space shuttles and math and science and all those sorts of things. Uh, I'm more of an English reading, writing, uh, person than a math and science person. But I was excited about going, and as soon as I walked into the, the first theater, and I, I walked around, and I started looking at the exhibits, I thought to myself, man, I can really learn a lot here. So I'm actually going to take some time, and I'm going to read the, the plaques that describe each one of the missions. And so I, I just sort of slowed down, and I stopped, and I read each one of the plaques. And as I read about the Gemini mission's and the Apollo missions and then the, the, the current missions and then the missions they wanted to do in the future. One of the things that struck me was that every mission had a mission. Like there was a point to each trip of, of them sending people out into space. They didn't just strap three men to a gigantic rocket and shoot them out in, into the outer space and go, oh, let's see what happens, right? Um, that's something only like, you know, 12-year-old boys to, to 35-year-old boys would do, Right? But each, each trip, exact, thank you, they, they know, right? You're supposed to laugh at that, yeah. All the guys, you know, little boys just love to strap things to rockets and dynamite and just blow them up. Um, it's just part of how they're wired. But anyways, they, they, did, they had a purpose for each one of these missions. And the purpose was to push the limits further and further of where they could take the kingdom of man. Can we get them into outer space, can we get them to orbit around the Earth? Can we get them to the moon? And then eventually, with Apollo 11, what happened? We got man all the way to the moon. They landed the lunar module on the moon. And then Neil Armstrong gets out, steps foot on the moon, and says, uh, One small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. They expanded the kingdom of man from the world, from earth, all the way to the moon. And they took the flag, and they, they stuck the flag in the ground, and they, they sort of claimed the moon for, you know, for America and for, human, and for mankind. And one of the things I learned is that they had to put a steel rod in the flag to get it to hang out so that you could see it, because there's no, there's no wind and there's no gravity. Like, there's nothing to pull the flag up. So anyway, it's just fun fact. But... Their whole purpose was to, to expand the kingdom of man. And then the future missions, right? They want to they develop the International Space Station so that they can, they can get farther out into outer space and so they can eventually go to Mars and inhabit Mars and develop a community where people live on Mars. And I'm not signing up for that community, but that's their mission, right? The, the whole goal is to expand the kingdom of man. Well, as I look at the story of Acts, I look at the story of the Bible, I look at the story of what God is doing in the world. Um, I think there's some similarities to those NASA space missions. Um, God wants to expand his kingdom. He doesn't want to expand the kingdom of man, but he wants to expand his good and glorious kingdom to the ends of the earth through the church. That's what we're looking at in RUF this semester, and that's what we're going to look at this morning. I want you to see, uh, as in our time together from the book of Acts, that God has a mission, and that mission is to expand his good and glorious kingdom to the end of the earth through the church, through the church. So uh, two points this morning that we're going to look at. One, what is the mission of God? And then two, how does God carry out that mission? First, what is the mission of God? Well, the mission of God started before the foundation of the world when there was the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit dwelling together in eternity in love, facing each other, enjoying each other. And the overflow out of that love between the Father and the Son is that they wanted to create a people together, a gift for the Son, a people that they could love So they created the world, they created humans in it so that they could love them and care for them and glorify themselves in and through them. Uh, They entered into a special relationship with those people, uh, with Adam and Eve. But as we know uh, from Genesis 3, that Adam and Eve sinned against God, rebelled against him. And at that moment, they plunged all of creation into sin and misery. All of creation was broken from that point. And the mission changed a little bit. The mission now was to redeem the earth and to redeem a people for God. The mission was to reestablish God's kingdom presence here on earth. So God set out on that mission through the Old Testament. Stage one of the mission is the Old Testament where God is bringing a people to himself and claiming the world for himself. In Abraham, when he made a covenant with Abraham, he said, I will be your God, and you will be my people, and I will make you a great nation, and I will give you a great land. What is he doing? He's saying, I'm reforming my people. I'm reestablishing my kingdom of people that dwell with me, and we're going to spread all over the earth. That's the story of the Old Testament. But as we know, that failed. The nation of Israel, in and of themselves, could not establish God's kingdom here on earth. They could not drive out sin and misery. They were too weak, they were too sinful, they were too broken. So God had to enter the next phase of the mission, which He had planned before the foundation of the world, and that was to send His Son. Stage two of the mission was that the eternal Son of God, Jesus, would come to earth to bring God's kingdom to bear on the earth. When Jesus was here, um, Mark records uh, one of the first things Mark records Jesus saying is, The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. And early on in the book of Luke, uh, Jesus says uh, that he 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 has to teach the good news of the kingdom. So Jesus brings the kingdom. Jesus teaches about the kingdom. And Jesus finishes and fulfills that story of the Old Testament. Through his life, death, and resurrection, Jesus does everything necessary to establish the kingdom of God here on earth. Well, Luke picks up that story here at the beginning of Acts, doesn't he? Look at Acts 1.1. In the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up after he had given commands to the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. Uh, The physician Luke wrote the book of Luke. He also wrote the book of Acts. So Acts is uh, volume two of this series. And Luke is saying, look, in the first book, I taught everything that Jesus began to do and teach before he was taken up. So by implication, what is Acts? Acts is the continuation of everything that Jesus began to do and teach. So it's, it's as if Luke in his first book is connecting The life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, stage two to the Old Testament in stage one. And now he's explaining how this message of the kingdom and this movement of the kingdom is going to go out. It's going to continue in the book of Acts. And lo and behold, in verse 3, he sees what was Jesus talking about when he was on earth with his disciples after the resurrection. He was talking about the kingdom of God. It was the good news of the kingdom that Jesus was continuing to teach his disciples before he left. And then it was the, this, this mission of the kingdom that he gave to them in the, in the Holy Spirit. That he had taught them, that he gave to them through the power of the Holy Spirit. That we see in uh, Acts 1.8. Everybody look at Acts 1.8. But you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. This is a great verse to memorize. This is a great verse to study. And this verse basically outlines the entire book of Acts. If you want to know how Acts is laid out, if you want to understand what what. Luke is communicating what God is communicating, what the Holy Spirit is communicating. Then look. Then you look at this verse, and what you see in this verse is is that God is expanding His kingdom outward. If you look at Acts, Acts one through seven, chapters one through seven, basically show how the gospel goes out in Jerusalem. Then, chapters eight through twelve describe how the gospel goes out in Judea and Samaria. And then, guess what chapters 13 through 28 describe? The gospel going out to the ends of the earth. The book of Acts is a story. It's a description. It's a a message. It's a picture of God extending his kingdom through Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Why Why is it describing that? Because that's God's mission. God's mission was, is, and always will be to extend his kingdom to the ends of the earth until we get to the final stage of the mission. And the final stage of the mission we see in Revelation. Uh, And there's a great picture. There's great pictures all over Revelation. uh, But but one of them is in Revelation 7, verses 9 through 10. Uh, Get this, this vision in your head. This is what God wants to fulfill through the gospel. After this I looked and behold a great number, multitude that no one could number, from every nation, from all tribes and all peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands and crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. There we see a picture of all nations, every tribe, tongue, and nation praising God. That's the mission of the kingdom. And then in Revelation 19, we see that all those people are part of the church, the bride of Christ. That's the fulfillment of the mission. That's what God is doing. He is bringing people into his kingdom all people from all cultures so that they can be his bride so that he could love them and be with them and cherish them the mission of god is the expansion of his good and glorious kingdom to the ends of the earth to use the the sort of nasa apollo 11 illustration what god wants to do is he wants to take his flag and he wants to plant it everywhere he wants to plant it all over the earth even in our hearts. And I think that's where we have to start with with our application. God wants to plant his flag first and foremost in our hearts. On the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit fell, Peter began to preach the gospel to the people, the gospel of the kingdom. And when, they, when Peter got done preaching, they were, it says they were cut to the heart, and they said, what shall we do? And Peter said, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. To be baptized in the name of Jesus means that he is your king. It means that he has authority over you. It means that he is your king, and you are in his good and glorious kingdom. So I think we all have to ask ourselves, is Jesus my king? Have I I first and foremost repented of my sins and been baptized in the name of Jesus? Has he planted his flag on my heart? If so, he has rescued you from sin and misery and from the kingdom of darkness, and he has brought you into the kingdom of light where he is the good king who loves you and wants to be with you. If Jesus is not your king, then we would love to talk to you about making him your king. I'm guessing for most of this morning, we've already done that initially. We're already already baptized. We've repented. We've baptized. We're members of the local church. And so how would this apply to us, God's mission? Well, um, if we are Jesus' people, if we are God's people, then his mission is our mission, That if God's mission is to see his good and glorious kingdom extend to the ends of the earth, then that's our mission as well. We all have a mission, don't we? A mission is a purpose. And so I think we have to ask ourselves what is my mission? When I wake up every day, I get out of bed, I drink my coffee, I eat my eggs, I get ready for work. What is my mission? What is my purpose? I fear even for the most sincere Christian that our mission is not always the mission of God that because of our sin and because of our weakness that we have uh, co-opted the mission of the world or we've infused our own mission or we have twisted and forgotten the mission of God so that we're following some other mission I think the first thing we have to do is we have to ask ourselves what is our mission and does it align with God's and where do I need to repent What areas of my life need to be claimed by Jesus? What areas of my life need to be realigned with his mission? Um, I'm afraid that for a lot of us, for myself included, that our mission is the mission of this world, and it's the mission of the United States of America. And I could be wrong, but I feel like that this in some ways is the mission of the USA. This is the American dream. It is to make as much money as possible so we can live as long as possible as comfortably as possible, and gain the approval of as many people as possible. Let me say that again. We want to make as much money as possible so we can live as long as possible, as comfortably as possible, and gain the approval of as many people as possible. Now maybe that's not our whole mission, but maybe there are bits and pieces and parts that our hearts are drawn to. And I think we as God's kingdom people Who've been brought into his kingdom have to repent and believe the gospel that the kingdom of God is good and that our mission as his kingdom people is to go therefore and make disciples of all nations. It's to see the gospel proclaimed in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth, on the, the west side of Stillwater and the east side of Stillwater, on the south side of Stillwater and the north side of Stillwater, on the campus and in the community. In Oklahoma, and in Israel, and in Iraq, and in Afghanistan, and in Russia, and in Somalia, and in South America. That's what it means to be God's kingdom people. To be on his mission and to see God's kingdom expand to the ends of the earth. So that all nations, all tribes, tongues, and nations can worship Jesus and rejoice and say, The Lord our God, glory in his name, salvation be from the Lamb. So God's mission is to see his good and glorious kingdom expands to the ends of the earth. How is he going to accomplish that mission? He's going to accomplish that mission through the church. That's the second big thing you see in Acts. That God's vehicle for kingdom expansion is the church. And we all ought to laugh. <laughs> we, should, we should chuckle at that. Can you believe that God would entrust us, weak, broken, sinful people, with his mission? But yet, that's what he does. Look at Acts 1-8 again. It says, but you, but you. Now, we, we read that you, and we think, oh, that's me, singular, right? No, 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 no. This word you here is a plural. It's a second, uh, second person plural. It would be you all, or for us Okies, y'all. Jesus saying, but y'all will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And y'all will be my witnesses. This mission is given to the church as a plurality. And when you look through the book of Acts, you do see times when there are individuals uh, expanding the kingdom of God. But more often than not, you see groups of people working together as part of God's mission, expanding his kingdom. It's the church. The church is the rocket ship that takes the gospel to the ends of the earth. Not only that, but you see that the church is synonymous With Jesus throughout the book of Acts. Uh, In Acts, uh, I think it's Acts 9, when Jesus meets Paul on the road to Damascus, Jesus says, Paul, Paul, not Paul, Saul, before he was Paul, he was Saul, before Jesus' body slammed him on the road to Damascus, okay? He says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Saul wasn't persecuting Jesus, was he? Who was he persecuting? He was persecuting the church. The church is the body of Christ. So when the church carries out the mission, Jesus is carrying out the mission. When the church is persecuted, Jesus is persecuted. When the church serves according to God's word by his spirit, Jesus serves. The church is special, as we said earlier, because it is indwelled and empowered and enlivened by the Holy Spirit. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. So the Holy Spirit makes The church something different. It makes the church the body of Christ. The church is the people of God empowered by the Spirit of God to carry out the mission of God. The church is the people of God empowered by the Spirit of God to carry out the mission of God. Well, how do we do that? We do that by doing the same thing that Jesus did we teach and we do, right? I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until, until the day he was taken up. So we, as God's kingdom people, as Jesus' servants, as his body, are going to continue to teach and to do as he did, as we're empowered by the Holy Spirit. So at Grace Stillwater, we got a new building. we got a new location, right? We've got uh, carpet and chairs and beautiful offices and all those things. And all those things change, but there's something that is not going to change. We're going to continue to preach and teach the gospel. Because the gospel is the power of God for salvation for all who believe, first for the Jew and then for the Gentile. In case you missed that, the gospel is the power of God for the salvation of everybody. So we're going to continue to preach and teach the gospel. And guess what? God is going to work through that. God's power is going to be unleashed to drive back sin and misery in our lives and in Stillwater and in the world through the preaching and teaching of the gospel. And we're going to continue to teach the gospel to our little ones. They're a vital part of our mission. I just read an article uh, this week about a study that Lifeway did, and Lifeway said that that their research showed that children who grew up reading the Bible— and meditate on the scriptures tended to be healthier emotionally and spiritually as adults than those who didn't. Now, if you're like me and you were a child who didn't grow up reading the scriptures and praying, don't, don't think all is lost. The power of God is, is still unleashed in your life and God heals all those things. But I think the, what the study is showing is what we know to be true, that the promises of God are for our children. And that as we read and teach and we meditate on those promises with them, that God uses that to strengthen them and nourish them. And so a big part of our ministry here is going to be teaching our young ones and giving them the promises of God and inviting their friends to come and experience the promises of God and then doing things in the city where other people get to hear and experience the promises of God. So we're going to continue to teach and we're going to continue to do. Uh, We want to be active In all actions, organizations, and movements that reverse the effects of the fall in this world. So God's kingdom wants to reverse the the effects of the fall in this world. It wants to eliminate sin and misery through the power of the gospel. And so as his kingdom people, we want to try to align ourselves with missions that do that. That's why we we support Stillwater Life Services. What is it doing? It's reversing the effects of the fall in this world, which says that uh, babies in the womb are not people. That is not true. That's not biblical. It's not right. We want to we align ourselves with those missions. We want to support that. That's good kingdom work. We want to be a part of, of Bread of Hope, who's providing food to people who don't have food. We want to be a part of Meadows of Hope, uh, uh, Brian's uh, foster care agency that, that cares for the orphans. We want to we look at our work in town, whether it's at the food truck, or it's on campus, or it's in the classroom, or it's at Ditchwich, wherever it is, if your work is participating in the reversal of the effects of sin in this world, it is good kingdom work. We're going to continue to do those things empowered by the Holy Spirit as Jesus did them. Um, and everybody has a role. Everybody plays a part. The church carries this mission whenever we were in Houston, and we were helping Regina. Regina was the lady whose house got flooded with all the water. Uh, We spent one day just tearing everything out of the house. Then we spent two days basically demolishing everything and taking it down to the studs so that they could renovate the house. And at one point, you know, there's people, you know, working all around us. We had you know, 20-something people there and a couple project managers. And I just sort of stopped in the middle of it. I looked around, and everybody was doing something. There was no unimportant job. There was no unimportant people. Some people were banging tiles in the bathroom. Some people were pulling nails out of the wall. Some people were organizing junk along the streets. Some people were wiping down mold off of furniture. Everybody had a job to do. There were no unimportant people. Everybody was carrying out the mission to reverse the effects of the fall in in Regina's life and to bring the good news of hope and healing from the gospel to Regina. It's the same way in the church. Everybody in here, everybody at Grace has a role to play in the mission. We all have gifts and talents and abilities enlivened by the Holy Spirit that we can use to carry out the mission of God so that people can experience the good news of the gospel, so that the kingdom can expand, and that, so that the, the sin and misery will be driven back, so that the good news of the gospel, God's good and glorious kingdom, would extend all over the world, all over our hearts, and all over our city. And so I want to ask you, how can you help carry out the mission? How has the Holy Spirit uh, enabled you and equipped you to carry out that mission? God wants to use you. He wants to use me. He loves us. The kingdom is good and it's glorious. It's at work in our lives by the Holy Spirit. It's at work in this world by the Holy Spirit. Let's be a part of what God's doing. Please pray with me. Father in heaven, uh, we thank you so much that that you would use uh, sinful and broken people like us to carry out your mission, that you would love sinful and broken people like us, that you would welcome us into your kingdom, that, that through the person and work of Jesus, we could be your kingdom people and that you would dwell with us, Father. Uh, we confess that oftentimes our mission is not your mission. I know mine isn't. My mission uh, is to uh, work hard to build up my own name and then to come home and put my feet up in my own castle. Please forgive me, Lord. And make me, first and foremost, a servant of your kingdom. I pray for all of us here, Father, that you would show us what your mission is, show us what our role is in that mission, and empower us by the Holy Spirit to help carry it out so that your good and glorious kingdom can spread to the ends of the earth. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.